What is going on, everybody? I want to welcome you from Half Court today. I am joined, as always, by my knight in shining armor, uh, my not mailman. I'm not allowed to make that reference ever again. Troy Sergi. Troy, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. How are you doing, Sean? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, in the longest fantasy football draft of my life right now, which which you are also same at. thing here. Mm-hmm. Started at 9 a.m. on Friday, and it is currently 9 p.m. on Monday night. So we've been going a solid, let's do the math here, 60 hours. Uh-huh. And we, um, we're barely halfway through. Um, we are. It's an 18-round draft, and um, we are currently in the midst of round 10. And, um, dude, I... It is, it, it's hard to even, like, keep track of, like, who I want to draft because, like, by the time I draft, you know, I don't even know who's on the board. Like, I couldn't tell you because I haven't looked in, like, yes. over a day. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> exactly. And in fact, um, we just had, well, you just had a little bit of a revelation about the league. Uh, so, uh, so Troy, would you like to do, do the honors of telling this story or would you like me to do the honors? I'll, I'll start the story and you can finish the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll play it out like how it actually happened. Does that sound like a good plan? Sounds like a plan. So yeah, I was very like excited. Yes. I was very excited to tell Sean that I had Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, both on my fantasy team, which I do. Yep. I mm-hmm. have Tom Brady on my fantasy football team, and I have Aaron Rodgers. I've drafted both of them. I drafted Tom Brady round, and I drafted Aaron Rodgers, I think, in the fifth round. Um, why is that funny, John, Sean? Why is that funny? <laughs> I looked at you, and I was like, Troy, you do realize this is a dynasty league, right? Meaning that you want to draft players not only for now but for beyond this year as in not the two oldest starting quarterbacks in the NFL (laughs) and Troy's reaction he paused he just stared like with his mouth open like that oak Crap, I am screwed. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, Troy. Not to not to make trade offers on the air. We could talk about this more after. I did draft Trey Lance. So um if you wanted to trade for Trey Lance, rookie quarterback, we can uh we can talk after the pod. Does that sound like a good plan? Sounds like a plan. You want Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? We'll talk about that after the pod. <laughs> Because this is from half court where each and every week Troy and I sit down and we don't talk fantasy football. We talk all things NBA basketball. So if you like that, be sure to subscribe to this basketball, right? Reality (laughs) basketball, the real deal. Exactly. Troy, we got to do a fantasy basketball league, by the way. That'd be fun. But that's a conversation. I don't think I've ever done that before. Dude, we we should do one with the listeners. Like we should like host like a public league. And like whoever wants to join, come on in. Like that'd be pretty hype. Um, but anyway, let, we'll do that. We'll plan that. I'll come up with details and would... we'll announce something later. Um, but if you like this podcast, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Sean Afcourt. Be sure to follow Troy at Troy Sergi forty four. It is available on each of every podcast service of your heart's desire, as well as being recorded in beautiful ten eighty p video. It is oh so gorgeous. Troy, it just seeing our faces, doesn't it add just a different, beautiful layer to this podcast? It does. I uh, I love looking at my beautiful friend Sean Murphy while I listen to myself speak. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. No, I love it, man. I love it. Dude, this is like this is kind of the one time of year where there's really nothing going on at basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We're kind of just... past free agency. We're, we're definitely past uh, the uh, summer league. And really all that we're talking about now is rumors and the NBA schedule being released. Yeah. And I mean, 
you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's cool that, um, you know, it's it's awesome that the schedule's released. There's some exciting dates on the calendar and circle. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's like, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to get excited about an NBA schedule getting released just for the sole reason that um, those were matchups I was already hyped for. Now it's just telling me what day I'm excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know we were going to play the Rockets at some point. I know, like, we play them twice. Now I, now I just know when that, and that's kind of it. And so, um, at the end of the day, we, we got a ton of back to backs this year, by the way, man, I like the piss yeah, is just quite a bit and not a lot mm-hmm. of home stretches either. I mean, I think our biggest home stretches, we have a four game home streak and that's mm-hmm. about it. So. I, I, I found it interesting, both the Rockets and the Pistons, both only one nationally televised game and it's, uh, against each other, against each other. Yeah. yeah. So, um, sounds like, uh, and like people were kind of shocked about that to me. Like I always kind of saw that as like, you know, to me, rookies were kind of always what highlighted the league pass. So like, you know, to me, it's not anything super surprising, but, um, yeah, I guess you just got to earn it being on national television. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're as of right Right. now, when the episode, yeah, when the episode comes out, it'll be the 25th of August. And we don't have and we don't have training camp beginning until September 28th. So um, wow, that's a long time of not a lot of basketball. (laughs) Uh huh. So finals were about a month and a half ago now, and we got about a little over a month to go to get to training camp. So um, you know, it's it's definitely shorter than it was um, like like what a normal off season is. So I definitely can't complain about that. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of like man. Just nothing going on, but hey, that doesn't mean there isn't stuff to talk about. You know what I mean? So, um, definitely, uh, definitely got a lot to debate and discuss. Absolutely. Um, but Troy, I um, I've also been seeing a lot of um, memories um, or like posts from the NBA bubble because around this time last year was when the bubble was happening, and um, mm-hmm. I saw a year ago yesterday was the Donovan Mitchell jamal murray game where they both put up 50 against each other in the playoffs oh my goodness there there might not be a player like i mean what uh okay not to put you on the spot indiana pacers forward um he was beefing with um with jimmy butler he uh he absolutely went off bogdanovich no, no. He has like the cornrows, left handed shooter. Uh do you know who I'm talking about at all? I'm losing my mind. Okay. You gotta, and, you gotta add Chris Noblet to the chat. <laughs> yeah, I guess I gotta I guess I gotta search the Indiana Pacers roster. Um uh, Thaddeus Young? Thaddeus Young, thank you. He yeah. was like the yeah. one he was like him and Jamal Murray were just like both like the goats of the NBA bubble. Well, and, and Tyler Hero, you know what I mean? Where like these guys like went off. Tyler and, like, Hero is my hero. Yes. Do you, are you a, are you a Tyler Hero believer? By the way. Yes. Yeah, I. I'm more of a Duncan Robinson guy, though. I think, I think Duncan Robinson has a higher floor. I think I think Tyler Hero has a higher ceiling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you were to ask me, like, which guy's better right now, it's Duncan Robinson without a question. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, Tyler Hero is more athletic. He has more capabilities from, like, an offensive standpoint. Like, at the end of the day, Duncan Robinson, he's going to be who he is. He's going to go out. He's going to shoot you the three. He's going to defend pretty solid. Um, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of about it. You know what I mean? Um, but... Yeah, anyway, that's not even what our topic is today. But anyway, uh, Troy, when you think, uh, I will ask, when you do think back to the NBA bubble, um, what are the memories that stick out to you? Because that was a that was yeah, a weird I time. Think, uh, sure. Uh, I think the big thing was uh, the finals, obviously, between the Lakers and the Heat. That was super fun. The fact that the mm-hmm. Heat made it that far um, was, was pretty remarkable. I think uh, it was at game five. Where the where the Heat won, uh, and to push it to a game six, where the Lakers took mm-hmm. it, that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. 
that was a fun LeBron. LeBron uh, kind of choked a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. that was a fun, a fun game I thought. But I was always rooting for LeBron, and then when he won in Game Six, that was just pretty awesome. But I, I liked that uh, the Celtics run a little bit too. That was pretty cool to see them in the in the Eastern Conference Finals again, right after yeah. their little drought with losing to the Bucks the year before. So the Celtics run was pretty cool. Um, also, uh, in the regular season, the, the regular season bubble, <laughs> uh, Devin Booker's game winner with the Suns on that six game winning streak. That was pretty cool. And that really, yeah. I thought set them up for the season that they, this upcoming season. Oh, so, yeah. um, the fact that they were even invited to the bubble was incredible and the way they performed and how that gave them momentum to start this season was pretty, pretty remarkable. So, um, I'd say, yeah, everything I kind of said was the main things that I remember from the bubble. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think at the end of the day, like, I think the bubble is going to be something that um, ultimately we're just going to go, oh, yeah, that happened. Um, and like, I, I think at yeah, the end I of the day, so um, at the end of the day, um, there was a lot of really good basketball that was played in that bubble. But also, um, I think what I think what even I forget, too, is just how starving I was, not only for for basketball, but just for sports, anything. Yeah anything you know what i mean and so um i remember watching the exhibition games on league pass like before like the actual games began and like i remember just salivating over Kawhi leonard playing five minutes in the first quarter of a bubble exhibition game you know so like (laughs) you know at the end of the day um there was a lot about the bubble that was really taxing and um, you know, yeah. a lot of, obviously a lot of social issues and discussions that we're having at the time, but like at the end of the day too, just man, um, it absolutely, what a, what a marvel of a, of an accomplishment that thing was. And at the end of the day for the, the playoffs, even to be as good as they were, um, I think of Damian Lillard, man, the run that he went on in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I remember when he put up 63 points or 61 points in the bubble, he was shooting from the logo. Like he was just yeah. doing what Damian Lillard did, but like in the bubble, just he was different, you know, um, just absolutely unforgettable basketball. Right. It was absolutely fun. Um, but Troy, again, that's not what we're here to talk about today. It's just crazy that that uh, that that happened today. We are continuing yeah. our series uh, examining teams throughout the league. And today we're going to be talking about. The Chicago Bulls. There you go, Troy. Very good. Quick on the draw. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. They um, they come in uh, after a very interesting season, um, hiring a new president of basketball operations and heading in a completely different direction as a franchise, um, going from drafting Patrick Williams in the top fourth, uh, top four of the draft, to now um, having a big three or big four of their own. That's going to be a big, a big, like big three, big four. Like, I don't know. Like they got Vucevic. They got Who's your fourth Lonzo ball. He's my third. Wait, who are you leaving out? Okay. Let's, let's run through the list. Know. Yeah. Let's run through the list. Okay. So we got, all right. Let, let's start right there. This past off season, they acquire Lonzo ball, DeMar DeRozan, right. Nick and then right. in the in the in the trade deadline they get Nikola Vucevic, right? Right. There's my big three. Where's okay. Zach Levine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's kind of deserves <laughs> that spot. I call that a big four. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about Levine because I was thinking more of your big three bringing in bringing in your your. your uh, you're Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce back in 2007, and I'm thinking of the veteran Paul Pierce. Right? Oh, okay. you, yeah, you bring in Ray Allen and, and Garnett, and you got Pierce. But I guess, yeah, you bring in Ball, Vucevic, and uh, DeRozan, and you got your veteran uh, Levine right there. So, so yeah, yeah, big four. I call it a big four, Sean. <laughs> thank you four. for yeah, thank you for giving me credit for that, Troy. I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. But yeah, they um. Um, obviously they, um, you know, to me, um, going into this, uh, this past season, I think they were a franchise that just really kind of lacked direction. Um, big time. And big time. I think if there's like anything that, um, that stands out to me, I think that's just kind of prominent. So, 
um, just kind of looking at um, kind of looking at like what they've done. So first of all, um, they brought they brought in um, our truest <laughs> Carnesivus <laughs> from the Denver Nuggets to be uh, the president of basketball operations. Um, and his first move was firing Jim Boylan, um, which pretty good move. Uh, fire had to happen. Oh yeah, Jim Boylan. When I think of probably the biggest disasters of coaching candidates um, in the NBA over the past ten years, I think of I think of John Beeline, and I think of and I think of Jim Boylan. I mean, J- John okay. Beeline. <laughs> John Beeline didn't literally, literally didn't even last an entire season. Crazy. Called uh, called players thugs, claiming that he uh, met slugs. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other that's discussion. That's a different podcast. That is a whole <laughs> other discussion. Uh, but they bring in Billy Donovan. They select Patrick Williams, the fourth pick, which at the time I thought was a reach. But um, Patrick Williams is good, man. Yeah, he's a serviceable guy. I think so. Yeah, I, I think he's a stud. You know, at the end of the day, I think he's definitely more than I expected him to be. You know what I mean? Um Mm-hmm. And then um, they um, uh, they go out and during the season um, they uh, are playing better than expected and they decide you know what we're gonna chase the playing game we're gonna we're gonna chase the playoffs and so they trade Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter um, and a 2021 first round pick which ended up being Franz Wagner um, and also a 2023 first round pick to the Magic. For Al Farouk Aminu, which, I mean, not really the big part of that trade. I would say the big part of that trade was Nikola Vucevic. And what was, without a doubt, the weirdest and most surprising trade of the deadline last year. And it's not even close. Like, just the most out-of-left-field, out-of-nowhere trade I've seen in a long time. Just because, I mean, I mean, it makes sense for the Magic. You know what I mean? Like, they... They needed to move the heck on. They've just been middling for so long now. But I mean, you look at uh, you look at uh, the Bulls in this situation, and um, to be honest with you, Troy, uh, at that time, I thought that their best course of action would have been to trade Zach Levine and to potentially um, look to rebuild and retool and kind of move on. That's that's where I thought things were heading. Um. Boy, was and I, I think wrong. it kind of set them up too, Sean. I, I, I set you up. It set them up to, uh, I think, was a, it was a move, a move where another move had to happen, right? It was a first move that led them to a second or third move. But you know what I mean? It, yeah. At the time, it thought of, whoa, who's everyone doing here? Like, what's going on? But in reality, it just led them to get to this point in the summer where they're making, you know, moves for DeRozan and Ball. So yeah, exactly. And and, and I think. Um, to me, I thought the only move that the Bulls are going to make this offseason, I thought, all right, they're going to sign Lonzo Ball. And to me, that was kind of like like the worst kept secret in the league for a while. You know what I mean? Um, but then, um, and then they go out and they get DeMar DeRozan. And so now this roster is in a situation where they're kind of expected, like, okay, it's time for them to compete. Um, but are they in a conference where they're going to be able to compete? You know, like, what what, what were your thoughts about this Bulls team when all this was going down? Yeah, yeah, and it goes back to something we've talked about again and again on our podcast of how deep the league is, right? How deep both conferences is with talent, with players. So really a move like we just talked about, a a big four, right? A big four with all-star level potential players. But you you got a team with LA and Brooklyn and other teams too where you got Hall of Famers, multiple Hall of Famers on your Uh team. So it's one of those situations where the league is getting so good and so competitive and there's there's just so much more stars sean that it's cool that the bulls put this team together but yeah i i see a seventh seed ceiling yeah at least for this season 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when, when I, maybe a six, I don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's, and it's tough because like, you know, to your point, like there's so many teams in this league that, um, that are just really good. But like, you know, with a team like this, like, you know, I full stop at just their conference. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's just, let's just run up and down. Are they better than Philly today? No. no. I wish, um, but no. Yeah. Are they better than Brooklyn? No. No. Are they, are they better than Milwaukee? No. no. Um, are they better than the Knicks? Maybe. But probably not. I mean, I would say as of right now, like, on paper, yes. But Tom Thibodeau did some st- special stuff with that team last year, man. So I can't say that he definitively. Um, are they better right. than the Hawks right now? Uh, I, I don't, don't know. So. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think Trey Young's better than Zach Levine, and at the end of the day, that's that's where I stop. Oh my stopped. gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are they are they better than the Miami Heat? No, are they I better? I think he's only getting better too. Expect a better Trey Young season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially after being nixed off the Team USA roster. Um, yeah, look out, Trey Young's going to be cooking. He's going and especially now that he has the confidence to know that he can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals. Like. I didn't even know if Trey Young was ever going to get there with the Hawks, but th- to do it in his third season, by the way, like yeah. we're, yeah. we're going to talk about the He's Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. We, we might do the Hawks next yeah. week because that's just a, that's just a sure. special roster, man. Um, they're not better than the Miami heat. They're, they're probably better than right, Boston. They got better too. We, we could, we could do a report card on Miami too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But to me, Miami's, a similar situation to them. You know what I mean? Um, I think Toronto, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, I think to your point, they're I not, th- they are better than Toronto. They are better than Toronto. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that puts you at what? Seven, eight. Like I said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and again, that's the, that's the ceiling. You know what I mean? That's not the floor. Um, that's just the ceiling. So that's if that's, we if you have everyone. no idea how this team is going to gel together. Yeah, exactly. And that's just assuming that everything going, everything goes well, everything fires on all cylinders, um, that things look fine. Um, that's where they're going to end up. But, you know, I, I think, I think from like how they play together, I'm interested to see how that goes because like, I mean, obviously I think you have Lonzo ball with two guys on the floor that, um, you know, it, three, if they have Patrick Williams out there where they could potentially run the floor and, and play a pretty fast pace of basketball. But the problem is, is that um, in order for this team to succeed, you need to play a slower brand of basketball because if you have Nikola Vucevic on the court, you need to play a half court offense that's tailored around him. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the thing that we saw with the Bulls this season was once they brought in Vucevic, um, Zach Levine had to, share the share the responsibilities and as a result we saw a bulls team that struggled you know because like i said uh-huh. if you want vucevic to succeed you have to put your offense around him and so yeah, now absolutely. yeah but the De- is a fast-paced guard right right and, and and i said that but the but the thing is like they have a ton of fast-paced guards on this roster but at the end of the day you're putting all these fast-paced guards in an offense that you need to slow it down and you need to run it around vucevic um, and, and especially you need to be able to shoot and, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, he can shoot, refuses to shoot. Guy. Yeah. Refuses yeah. to shoot the three. You have Lonzo ball. Who's become a good three point shooter, a good to really good three point shooter. Um, but then you have Zach Levine, who's a solid shooter, but I mean, let's be honest, people aren't going to leave him open. And then you have Patrick Williams, who isn't a shooter. Um, so, you know, you look at this team and, um, athletically, they definitely have some skill sets and they have some things that intrigue you, but from a, from a spacing standpoint, I have a lot of questions, you know what I mean? Um, so, um, and then on top of that, I mean, they have a decent bench, you know, they have Colby white, uh, Kobe white coming off the bench as their backup point guard, a fitting role for Kobe white. If I may suggest an absolutely fitting role for Kobe white, if I may suggest, um, but you know, overall, Troy, like if you had to like, give like a grade of like where they were a year ago versus like where they are now, um, well, what kind of grade would you give them? Yeah, it's, it's definitely like 
you could there's so many directions you could put the grade like you could, you like you said you, you can put the grade in how or where they are now where they were a year ago or you could just do the grade of what kind of team are they as far as ability to compete you know you could add the element of what kind of grade you could have to potentially win a championship there's a lot of different avenues you can take with this so i'm gonna i'm gonna go the direction that you just said strictly saying a year ago now to today about a b plus a minus maybe yeah yeah just because of how different it is yeah shaken up it is yeah i'm gonna go okay so i think if you're gonna view in a bubble right like if you're if you're solely to say a year ago versus now if you're to just view it in that context Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give him a b plus just like you right um if i'm gonna view this from a actually trying to compete and win a championship um i give it a c to a c minus because like you know the only thing that tips them over on becoming a championship contender is the development of Patrick Williams, right? I mean, that that's really the only thing. Because yeah. if Patrick Williams becomes a star, if he becomes an all-star player or or like a or like a next level talent, who's who who's to say they can't go to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. with all five of those guys on the roster having that kind of talent and that kind of ability, I mean, that absolutely could be an Eastern Conference Finals team. And the reason we say that, too, is because for our listeners, why we say it's, it's the development of Patrick Williams is because we already know kind of the ceiling for guys like DeRozan and Vucevic and even Lonzo kind of now. To too. a certain so, extent, Lonzo. But I think Lonzo can take it to another gear. Sure, sure, sure. So, yes, yeah, so it's, it's because of it's the youngsters, you guys under the age of 22, right? Let's just say that. Yeah. It's your development of them that, that gets you to the place that, that is competing for a championship. Yeah, which, by the way, um, I don't even know if I like that they did this for Patrick Williams. You know what I mean? Like, I think this puts him in a really awkward mm-hmm. situation because, um, you know, a pressure he, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, even though like in, in one sense, it doesn't, it doesn't put the pressure on him that he has to be the franchise guy. On the other hand, this puts him on the pressure that you have to be ready for playing time now. And if you can't do certain things on the court, you're not going to get playing time. And when you when you have a top four draft pick like that's that's a guy that that you want to be in your franchise long term. That's a guy that you want in your plans ready to play for you for years to come. So I don't know if I like this prospect of of him being in this situation where um, he's expected to come out and be your starting power forward and to be a solid contributor each and every night. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird fit to me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I like like we said, I do like the fact that they are. I will commend them on this. They're doing their best to put the most competitive roster forward that they can right now, right? But, um, yeah, but, fully, 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 yes, yeah. But a year ago, um, we were talking about how the Pistons were reportedly thinking about bringing in Demar Derozan. That there were trade rumors happening around that. We were just like, full stop, no. No, God, please no, because it's the thing of, you know, the thing that we saw, because a couple years ago, our roster was built around Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and Reggie Jackson. Um, this, this team is a better ceiling than that team, right? Don't get me wrong, but at a certain point, if you realize that your core isn't anywhere close to the top of the mountain, you need to stop getting your gear ready to go climbing. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to, I'm going to be curious to see how long of a leash does this team have? You know, like how, how long do, how long does this team have? I can't see anything longer than two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Because like if if this team comes out and like they're a complete dud this year, I don't see an enthusiasm, an an enthusiasm to run it back, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, right. th- this is a win now move on a team that's not ready to win now. <laughs> and so yeah, it's all right, right, right. Yeah, you you hit the nail in the in the, in the coffin, Sean. Yes, it, it's just it to me. It's just uh, it it just boggles my mind in a way because um, you know I, I really do want them to succeed and I really do hope that it works out. But at the end of the day. 
um, man, just uh, especially to, um, you know, Billy Donovan, e- even like the hiring of him at the beginning. To me, that screamed a rebuild as well. Right. Like a younger guy, college type coach to come in. Um, I mean, granted, he left Oklahoma City because he wasn't looking to rebuild. And then he went to Chicago. Um, which was in a situation where they were exactly which looking is to get dead. Hey, I, hey, I guess it's a, I guess it's a win now move now. I, I guess so. Um, but you know, I, I just you know, in they might not even be like they might be the third best team in their division, and like that's kind of about it because we got the Bucks, we got the Bulls, we got the Pacers, we got the Pistons, we got the Cavaliers. You know. The Pacers, they like they might be the second best team in that division. They might not. And we know? didn't even include them in the list of are they better than Brooklyn, better than Milwaukee? We didn't yeah. even ask are they better than Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I mean Indiana's kind of a weird case because like I just have no clue where to expect them going into this season. I mean, they um, you know, they got Sabonis, they have um, you know, they have Malcolm Brogdon and the hot two of the the two holiday brothers you don't want and then like that's kind of, that's kind of about it you know what i mean uh that's just a weird yeah i still see chicago probably ahead of them yeah so they're the second best team in their division probably the sixth or seventh best team in their conference maybe better than boston maybe if they were to play in a seven game series i think i'd still take boston Yeah, it all depends on how well this team gels, Sean. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Chicago Bulls, when I look at my list of storylines heading into this season, I think they're certainly towards the top of the list because I just think that they have a lot that's working um, working in their favor and a lot that's working in their detriment as well. So um, I'm certainly interested to see how the Chicago Bulls do this season. And uh I think it's going to be, uh, for a lack of better terms, um, it's either going to be a really fun team to watch night in and night out, or it is going to be an absolute crap fest that we're going to watch unfold each and every week, uh, probably on League Pass towards the bottom of the conference. And uh, Woj will probably have a lot of bombs coming out of that locker room if it doesn't go well. And but at at least something too they could maybe 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 have on their side is if this does go south quick, you have tradable guys as of now. But if they're playing yeah. like garbage, I don't I don't know. But you definitely have tradable guys, lots of assets on that team. So I don't yeah. know what you could do get for them. You know, in February if they're you know struggling to even find twenty wins by February. I, I don't know. I expect this team to be a little bit better, but I have yeah. more optimism than pessimism as far as a playoff appearance. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, one thing about the Chicago Bulls that we haven't even touched on yet um, is a really awkward situation that the Bulls find themselves in. Um, they still haven't re-signed Lori Markinen. Um, huh. He is still a free agent. Um, and they are very quiet on that front. And in fact, um, all signs, I mean, if, if they haven't signed him again now, there's no sign of them signing him before, uh, before the regular season, it, it would probably be a sign and trade, you know? So, um, you know, a, another thing where, um, he's kind of still a bull as of right now. They still own the rights to his deal and to his contract, but he's kind of has one foot out the door, one foot in. Um, so they're just, you know, to your point, they have some tradable assets and maybe they could trade Lori marketing for some, for some deeper bench guys. But like, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really know what else, um, Another team that's kind of in an awkward position with a former draft pick is the Detroit Pistons. Um, right now, um, we have one too many guaranteed contracts, Troy. Um, I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of the one. I do know that. Yeah, that's kind of the one thing in Pistons news right now. Um, and kind of um, the only three names of, of players that could potentially be seeing uh, a, a goodbye from the roster is Julio Okafor. 
Sekou Dumboya, and Josh Jackson. Um, there have been some reports, and now um, I want to clarify because I haven't seen this from a website or a source that I trust yet. So I want to preface any any reports, anything we talk about on this podcast, even though we're just a couple guys sitting down talking hoops, I still want to make sure what we're putting out in the wild is legitimate, you know? Um, as of right now, reports suggest that the Pistons could be m- looking to move on from Sekou Dumboya. Um, I personally don't see that happening. I personally think if they no were way. to move, if they were to move on from any of the three, it would be from Julia Okafor. Okafor. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because Absolutely. I think, I think Detroit very much believes in Josh Jackson. I think they very much still believe in Sekou. Um, I have a hard time believing that they're going to move off Sekou right now. Right. I just, I can't see that at all. I mean, Sekou's ceiling still is somewhat high just because of his age, Sean. He's still yeah. 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He's not even 21 years old yet. And um, and we've talked about him, I think, way back in March when we did our first podcast about how, you know, be careful what you wish for as far as, you know, more playing time for Sekou and stuff like that. And uh, But then again, he's so young too. And I, I guess we missed out on uh, last year with having a, a G League that was so um, – you know, movable, right? Where in the past you have a G League where you can play a Friday night game. And if you have a back-to-back on a Saturday, you can throw them in the G League on Saturday or the other way around. G mm-hmm. League Friday night, NBA Saturday. And we didn't have that last year. And that's where Seku should have been all last year is, is a lot of G League minutes. And he didn't get that. And he's still young. And maybe yeah. he still gets some G League minutes with the, the Motor City Cruise this year, which would probably be more flexible. Um, oh, way more flexible. Stuff, so. Way more flexible. They're, they're going to be practicing in the same facility. They're going to be right down the road at Wayne State. Yeah. Um, I hope. Yeah. Quite frankly. Um, and don't take this the wrong way, fans. Like, don't, like, you know, listen, man. Like, it, like don't take this as an overreaction. I hope Sekou Dumboya gets some solid minutes in the Motor City Cruise this year. I hope he can go into the G League and he can drop some 30 bombs, some 40 bombs. Like, I hope he can go there and show off why he was drafted in the first in the first round and prove proven why and he can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can. Um, but, you know, it, ultimately, it's just going to come down to, um, you know, obviously, we we have a decision to make um, if I were to cut one of those. And, and even then, like at the center position, we have um, we have Isaiah Stewart starting, presumably. We have Kelly Olenek backing him up off the bench. Um, and then we have Luca Garza in the third spot a, as a two-way yeah. player. So um, if you need him as a backup, he's someone that you can play for probably half of those games. So to me, that screams our third on the depth chart center. So um, right. in this situation, I just have a hard time seeing um, – I, I, I can say one thing for certain. It's not going to be Josh Jackson. I don't think it's going to be him at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think he's someone that – could potentially still start a solid portion of the season with injuries and minutes and things like that. I think he's a solid player. So, um, yeah. Uh, salute to Julio Okafor. <laughs> I think is uh, what I've you been know, meaning to say right there. Unfortunately, top three pick back in 2015 and just did not live up to the hype. Duke guy. Uh, yeah, Duke has a couple of busts. I know they're, they're known for a great program, but uh, – Occasionally, mm-hmm. you'll get a Jaleel Okafor out of out of Duke. So. Or a Marvin Bagley. Or Marvin Bagley. <laughs> or Marvin Bagley. Dude, I I was talking about the Sacramento Kings with someone else earlier today. Uh, and, 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 and I think, you know, w- when I think of NBA situations that, um, that are tough, I mean, just the Sacramento Kings. I mean, Troy, trivia question for you here. I, I, I think you know it. Uh, when was the last time the Sacramento Kings made the NBA playoffs? 2002. Not quite that far. Not quite that far. 2005. Yeah. No. It's Wait, it's not Troy. Pizza bet, it's 2005. Deal? Pizza bet, it's 2002. Deal. All right, deal. Okay. When is the last time the Kings made the playoffs the answer is we both we both lost because they made it in 2006 but no if, if we were to play it if we were to play it price is right rules i would win <laughs> <laughs> 
But hey, you know okay. what, Troy? So how about uh, how about a little Caesar's pizza? Because that counts as half, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Hey, I will take an extra most bestest for this extra great bestest. Okay, I'm sorry for that pun. I'm never gonna make that again. But anyway, uh, the Sacramento Kings is another team we're gonna have to talk about in the, co- in the next couple weeks. But man, what a what a yeah. talking about weird NBA situations. That that is one right there. Um, okay, Troy, how about this? Um, as, as I'm, as I'm on this topic right now in my head, if there were three teams in the NBA that you would want to be in their shoes the least. So like the three teams in the NBA that you think have the worst situation right now the league. in the league, who comes to mind? Yeah. Who, who would it be? Yeah. Sacramento Kings, Cleveland Cavaliers, and Washington Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me. I can't even I can't even dispute that list. And like, isn't it weird that the Washington Wizards on that are on that list and they have a top ten player in the league? Ah, scratch that. <laughs> scratch that. Scratch that. Is he a top ten player in the league? Is Bradley Beal top ten? Maybe. On a good day. Scratch that. How about this? Uh, a, a month and a half ago, if we did the same thing of your top three situations you would not want to be in, guess who, who would still be had been on my list a month and a half ago with Russell Westbrook is probably still the Washington Wizards. Yeah. And they had yeah. two top 10 players in the league, right? <laughs> no, he, he's a top 15 player. Yeah. I, I'd, call Ru- I'd call Russ at this stage in his career top 25 player. The- yes, but no, it's just so hard, Sean. Because is he, he a top ten? Think... Is he a top ten player? Oh no, 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 not top ten. I'm t- I'm, t- I'm saying maybe top fifteen for us. Top fifteen, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but but here's my one argument to that. He made it to the play-in barely, barely in the East. Like, like, like. Listen, like when he when he was putting up triple doubles and he like carried the Thunder to like a fifth seed in the West. That was impressive because the West is really good. And the fact that he got him as like mm-hmm. as 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 high up in the West as he did, that was impressive. He had to scratch and claw to get the Wizards to the tenth seed. And and like granted, towards the end of the season, he was playing a lot better. The beginning of the season, those man's numbers were abhorrently bad. Like terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just know he's done things in the league. It's triple-double-wise that we haven't seen before. So yeah, that's 100%. why I think it's hard for him not to be in the top 15. But I, I get your argument, Sean, and I, I'm I'm almost 100% with you. I'm like 98% with you. And, and, and the last argument I want to make, yes, absolutely. He has done things that are different. But we're not talking about the past, Troy. We're talking about right now. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, is he a top twenty-five player in the league? I'd say yeah. Is he is he a top fifteen player in the league? I don't know. I mean, it's it's just tough. But Bradley Beal ain't top ten. I will say that much. I don't think he's top ten. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Wizards. Same page yeah. there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's like one of those things where, to me, like I, I said this to you on draft night, the Wizards and Bradley Beal are meant for each other because neither of them know what they want. <laughs> Neither of them, because the Wizards <laughs> on one hand, they're like we want to compete, but also here's Russell Westbrook, and and we're still going to try to compete, but we're going to trade him and bring in Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and all these guys to do nothing around you, Bradley Beal. You're our corner piece. You're our cornerstone. And Bradley Beal's like, I hate everything you're doing, but also I'm a wizard for life. So y'all are meant for each other, man. Truly. Yeah. It's one of those things, but like, yeah. I mean, what if you throw, what if you throw bad Bradley Beal right now um, on like, let's say Atlanta. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. Atlanta with Atlanta with Trey Young on, on an Eastern conference finals team. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. But here's the other thing. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I still don't think they get past the Inkster Conference Finals. 
Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like here's is. the thing. Um, Bradley Beal might be the best player in the league that moves the needle the least for any team. He is the uh-huh. best player uh-huh. on the league to literally have zero impact on your team's overall performance in the season. Because he can go out there and he can put up 30 or 35. He could put up 40 some nights. He could put up 50. He's the guard version of Andre. I mean, that's insulting the Bradley Beal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, hey, I mean, <laughs> Andre Drummond went from uh, competing against Joel Embiid to his backup center. You know what I mean? At least Bradley Beal's like, he's not going to yes, back anybody that's... up. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah. That's like, we could make some kind of reference with like, uh, like, uh, a guy going for a girl and then uh, he ends up being a groomsman for the girl's wedding for another guy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I like that analogy. <laughs> oh, you're messed up for that one, Troy, but I love it. Oh my gosh. Hey, Troy. Hey, Troy, you know what time it is? It's, what it's, time is it, Sean? It's, try, it's time to go from, from Mount Rushmore, Troy. And today... On our climb to Mount Rushmore, it sounds like we're not we're not making a Mount Rushmore list. We're looking at a guy that's on the Mount Rushmore. We're making a Chinese statue today, Sean. We're not we're making, making a Mount a Rushmore. Chinese we're making a Chinese statue. statue. <laughs> oh man, who are we talking about today, Troy? So I guess I think I might have mentioned it last time on the podcast. We're gonna do a little series here for at least the next couple of weeks of um, the legacies of all-stars of the 2000s. I know that might be kind of a long little phrase there, but uh, guys who were all-star level players in the, in the 2000s, so from 2000 to 2010, and are currently not in the NBA anymore, and are currently not in the Hall of Fame. So we have a couple of criterias for those who are on that list. And uh, the first person we're going to be talking about of the legacy of the 2000s is going to be Stefan Marbury. Starberry is also known as so um, I'm going to talk a little bit about no notes here just what I know about Stefan Marbury from just being an NBA pan the past 13 years remember he was kind of on the downfall when I was getting into the NBA but also mm-hmm. his legacy from what I remember um, as well as I've seen some little, little documentaries about him too. So I'm going to start of just, I'm just going to tell you everything I know about Stefan Marbury and uh, I'll let you talk right after Sean. So here hey, we yeah, go. Man. So Stefan Marbury was, yeah, here we go. Uh, Stefan Marbury was from uh, Coney Island, New York. Uh, he was definitely from a rougher, rougher neighborhood, rougher projects. Stefan Marbury went to Lincoln high school, which is a real high school in Coney Island. And actually, if you've seen the 1998 film, uh, he got game with uh, Ray Allen playing as Jesus Shuttlesworth. He actually plays at Lincoln high school in Coney Island, which is a real high school where Stefan Marbury really went, uh, which is kind of funny. So yes, he was a, he was a, high school phenom um seriously probably arguably one of the best high school players in the 90s uh at least the late 90s for sure recruited by almost any and every college in the country but what was interesting about his choice when it came to to decide where he wanted to go to college was he picked Georgia Taos by any means. It's not a Duke. It's not a Kentucky. Uh, it's not a UCLA, right? It's Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And his reason uh, for that was um, the fact that uh, his coach, I'm not sure the coach's name, but he very much recruited Stefan from high school, went to Coney Island, had dinner at the parents' house, uh, made Stefan feel very safe. So for a kid like that, growing up in that kind of neighborhood, Georgia Tech, a coach that was able to do that and made his family comfortable just as much as uh, him comfortable meant a lot to Stefan. So I think he played two or three years at Georgia Tech and he was in the 1996 NBA draft, which is known as the first or second, but mostly first best uh, draft class of all time. Because you saw Allen Iverson at number one, you saw Kobe Bryant at 13, now, you saw Steve Nash at that draft, and you saw Ray Allen, and, of course, you saw Stephon Marbury. Now, I don't know the order. I kn- I'm pretty sure – go ahead, Sean. I was just going to ask, is the 2003 draft class better? I don't think so. 
Ooh, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah, All right, keep I'll going. So. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just wanted your take on that. Yeah, I, so, so yeah, I, I'm going to have to Google this really quick because I, I, I'm just so in, I'm so invested into this uh, segment right now. I know I said no notes, but I just want to see the order real quick of who got drafted first because i know a major trade happened in the first uh the first five picks that's very important to what i have to say about stefan um yeah i think i think so, i got it here for you troy yes i know i got it too i got two i got two i got it too uh so stefan went number four to the milwaukee bucks Mm -hmm. And number five was his kind of rival all throughout his career, even in college and NBA. And who the movie kind of is after. The movie's kind of about Stefan Marbury, but Ray Allen plays the character. And then number five went to Minnesota and Ray Allen. Now, this was a little bit different than Woj era, right? Where we call it Woj era now in the draft where you trade, you know about that two or three minutes beforehand. You did not know about a trade two minutes beforehand. You learned about it 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes after the trade happened. Mm -hmm. So Stefan Marbury got drafted uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks at four and then Ray Allen to the, to the Minnesota Timberwolves at five and they traded for each other. Very similarly to the Luka Doncic, uh, Trey Young trade we saw back in 2018, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Almost identical. Very similar players being traded for each other. Uh, but, but like I said, it was a lot different than then because we had a, you know, a half an hour go by and uh, we saw that happen. So they, I think David Stern had the two, you know, this is like, you know, pick 12 or 13 happening. And David Stern actually asked Ray and Stefan to come back on stage so they could exchange hats because they got traded. So that was a big deal. So Stefan is now no, no longer a Milwaukee Bucks for the past half an hour, but now he's a Minnesota Timberwolf. And he goes to be paired up with another Hall of Famer, Kevin Garnett. And uh, Stefan Marbury has a little great little playoff run with, with Kevin Garnett. Uh, but there was some beef going on in the locker room. There was, you know, they're, they're very two kind of revolutionary players. And I, I think Stefan, uh, with his, with, you know, the culture of Coney Island was a lot different, um, just, you know, poverty. And I think Kevin Garnett, you know, from Chicago area, uh, drafted right out of high school. Uh, I think he kind of had, you know, a little more of a, of a wealthier, you know, upbringing and his parents of course moved to Minnesota to be closer to his family. And he's all alone in the, the cold weather of Minnesota. And he just, he, I think he requested a trade and he requested a trade to not only uh, be just traded, but he wanted to go somewhere near to New York. And I believe he got traded to the New Jersey Nets Yep. and he played for the Nets for a couple of seasons. Um, and then out of the blue, he really liked New Jersey. He was, it was kind of before their, their finals run and they made a trade. They made a trade. They traded Stefan Marbury to the Phoenix Suns for Jason Kidd and mm -hmm. poor Stefan goes to Phoenix. But what's, what's tragic about that for him and his career and his confidence is that Jason Kidd goes to New Jersey and brings to the NBA finals, right? First, our first couple of years that he's there. So Jason Kidd goes to the NBA Finals. Of course, they got swept by the Lakers. But um, Jason Kidd turns New Jersey into a, a team. But I, I guess from what I understand is they didn't tell Stefan that they were going to trade him. So he kind of went to Phoenix, not really knowing anything. And then he played a couple years there. I think he made an all-star game that year. And I, uh, so that was big for Stefan's career. And uh, he created, I believe he got traded then to New York. And that's where he is kind of mm -hmm. most remembered as an NBA player. And he started a, uh, a brand, a clothing brand called Starberry. Of course, his last name Marberry, but adding the, the ass, Stefan, Starberry. It makes sense. It's a great brand. And uh -huh. the big thing that this brand tried to do was make shoes, jerseys, clothing for very cheap. So, I mean, you could have a, a, a pair of, of Starberry shoes, very, very nice basketball shoes for maybe 14 bucks, right? right? Versus paying your $150, $200 for Jordan. And, and for him, well, growing up in very, you know, poverty, Coney Island, New York, that was huge for him and, and for his, his uh, legacy that he wanted to leave was he wanted to have a clothing brand that all kids of all ages could afford. Um, and, and that's what he did. And uh, very respectable clothing line, Starberry. And he played some great season for the Knicks. But what was too bad about that is, of course, uh, Larry Brown, who was the coach of the Pistons, 
for two years, uh, brought them to the NBA Finals twice, one winning it, one losing it. Um, they de- The Pistons departed from Larry Brown and hired Flip Saunders. So now got got uh, Isaiah Thomas as their GM, Pistons legend. And they brought in Stephon Marbury, another point guard who had very much all-stars, all-star Hall of Fame potential um and they hired and what happened was um a little bit beforehand that some that summer of i believe 2004 olympics and that was the first time or the last time and the first time even leading up to that point where uh, the usa did not get gold they got silver that year and larry brown was the coach and stefan marbury was the starting point guard of that olympic u.s team and uh, Stefan got a lot of heat. Larry Brown got a lot of heat because he was coaching that after going to two NBA finals and then losing the Olympic team. So they already went to New York on very bad terms because they were still having some turmoil from that uh, Olympic season. And I think they only won maybe 25 games that year, the New York Knicks, with, with Isaiah Thomas as a GM, Larry Brown as a coach, and Stefan Marbury running the show at point guard. Right. Uh, so that really, really really uh, put a dent in his legacy of losing the Olympics and then having a hall of fame coach and not even winning 30 games, winning only 25 games. So yeah, that was a disaster. And uh, he kind of fell off the grid a little bit after that. Um, uh, of course, I think Larry Brown left after that year and uh, a lot of chaos and uh, something Stephen A. Smith has said one time was that Stefan Marbury never had anyone in the media, a uh, media outlet. Like he kind of just, spoke whatever he wanted um and and he had a lot of criticism especially in the early 2000s with that that was very unorthodox if you would say so he didn't have a media outlet where he could have information or or could help him maneuver his way so he was kind of seen as uh kind of a big mouth kind of you know of course with his you know inner city you know upbringing kind of kind of more of a ghetto kind of guy and that kind of ter- made a, le- uh, uh, a, uh, a stump or between that, that Olympic loss, that New York Knicks season, and his, his anger at the media all, all the time. It really, it really had a scar on Stefan Marbury's legacy. He played some garbage minutes after, a couple of seasons after that with the Boston Celtics. Um, and then he found himself just like that out of the league. And that's where everything changed for Stefan because he had a offer to play professional basketball in China. And uh, this is a kid from Coney Island, New York, doesn't really know anything about overseas culture, let alone, you know, Eastern culture, Chinese culture, which is a lot different than what we know here in America in the West. And, and just says, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm going to go. I don't know anything about China. I don't know anyone here. Uh, I just want to get the heck out of the NBA and start, start over, really just start over from, from all the, the bad scars that he had from, you know, the media and the league and losing and stuff like that. So he started his career in China. Uh, actually, Sean, uh, we talked about uh, a museum now, now dedicated, I'm sorry, a statue dedicated to Stefan Marbury, but there's actually a Stefan Marbury museum in China because he had that big of a legacy in China that he has a museum and a statue to his name. And this is a, this is an African-American kid from Coney Island, New York. And he has that big of a legacy in, in China, a place that he had Crazy. never been to, didn't know any culture 10 years earlier. He won a couple of championships from the CBA. Uh, just absolutely. They adore Stefan Marbury. He is the most biggest famous basketball figure in China uh, next to Yao Ming. And I guess you could say maybe Jimmer Fredette now, but I think Stefan Marbury <laughs> is bigger than, than Jimmer Fredette right now. And I would say the second most popular figure in the country of China, which by the way, has more NBA fans uh, than we do here in the United States. Yeah. So yes, Stefan Marbury's legacy. Um, I would say very much tainted by that 2006 season with the Knicks and that Olympic loss and his beef with the media, his beef with Larry Brown. But at the end of the day, uh, a guy who just maybe came in at the wrong time, the wrong yeah. era uh, with social media rising. I know he did a 24 hour, uh, not podcast because this is 2009, but it's a 24 hour, like, like recording where fans, 
friends could type in and ask him questions. And he ate Vaseline during this this 24-hour uh, uh, video uh, fan questionnaire thing. So, yeah, he definitely went through a crazy stage uh, in his life. But um, he's a guy that's just wrong team, wrong coach, wrong era. Uh, the, the rise of social media in the game was not good to him. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, Sean. I, I love Stefan Marbury. I, I am here for Stefan Marbury, Nash, a Dirk Nowinski, a maybe even a Damian Lillard when his career is over. You know, it's just not, not going to be that high. But it's definitely an all-star level guy who we deserve to have talked about today on, on the podcast. Yeah. Um... I mean, just talk about a talk about a weird career, right? Just from an NBA standpoint, I think um, I think he was just one of those guys that had such like a um, he had like an endless amount of talent that was apparent and was and like just the flashiness of his game, his ability to score, um, just just the highlight plays that he would generate. But I mean, ultimately, um, kind of to your point, just was never quite that guy when it came to the, to the NBA game, you know what I mean? Like, um, like you bring up, uh, you bring up right. Steve Nash, you bring up Jason Kidd, you bring up, um, you know, on the, on the Timberwolves, uh, you know, faced with playing with Kevin Garnett, which, you know, to me, um, a big, what if, what if that team ultimately stuck together? What if, um, what if Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury ultimately, um, you know, developed together, right? Uh, you know, this is just like a situation and a player where, um, you know, to your point, Larry Brown, um, even though Larry Brown was great, um, and you know, he was all time, great NBA coach, hall of fame, basketball coach, great basketball mind, um, was known to clash heads with his stars. Right. I mean, um, it's no secret what happened between him and Allen Iverson. And obviously, like you said, him and Stefan Marbury was definitely something that was not quite a great fit, um, between those two. Um, and you know, then he goes and he, uh, he goes from the, the Knicks, situation to um you know his final season in um in boston and then after that he's out of the league um and so you know um normally when a player goes to china um it's kind of a joke you know what i mean like we've said it in the context of of kobe kobe white playing in china like or like the shanghai sharks is always like a meme that's coming out now um but i mean to your point to um not only go to china and uh, thrive, but become a, uh, you know, a basketball God in China, um, Mm -hmm. to, um, to totally revitalize his career, um, play for, uh, play for the ducks for all those years. And then ends his career with the, with the fly dragons. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, um, you know, Stefan Marbury might not be a hall of famer based off of his NBA career, but if his China career was in, was included in that, I think you would certainly have to have a discussion for for the Hall of Fame for for uh, for for Stefan Marbury. But even then, maybe yeah, twenty five years down the road, thirty years down the road, he could be because it's the basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of yeah. Fame. It's the yeah. basketball. And, and who knows? And who knows? Not just not not thirty years down. Like who knows? Maybe like five ten years down the road. Who knows? You know, after a few different tries. You know, like there's um, you truly never know. And I think. Um, you know, when I when I think of Stefan Marbury, to your point, I think of his Knicks years. I think of when he was the star of that Knicks team and, and him playing in the garden. Um, but, you know, um, a lot of people forget about his time in the Nets or his time in Phoenix or even his time in Minnesota. You know, like there's just a lot about his NBA career that was overlooked. And to your point, um, a lot of it was because he probably played um, with the deepest, um, deepest collection of point guards ever from a from an overall talent standpoint i mean that was when steve nash was beginning to rule the league that was when jason kidd was bringing the nets to the finals and was just a floor general um on the court you know it's it's not that stefan marbury was bad it's just that the guys that he was uh coming into the league alongside of were just so good you know what i mean and i think his ceiling was certainly along the Allen iversons and it was certainly along the steve nashes and the jason kids but i think um, when you look at the NBA game and how players develop and how they thrive, sometimes it just takes the fit. You know what I mean? Like Julius Randle really coming out of his shell and ultimately thriving in a Tom Thibodeau system in New York because they gave him the chance. They believed in him. 
You know what I mean? Right, Whereas, right. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma, he was a guy that um, they really depended on him heavily in the beginning of his time in the Lakers. Now he's a laughing stock and was involved in every trade that you could imagine, you know? So ultimately, um, a lot of these guys, like I think Stefan Marbury is like an interesting case study in how truly important it is to find a good culture and a fit that, that they believe in you, mm-hmm. you know? And part of his big clashes with media and social media at the time was because of where he was playing. New York, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, anyone who knows sports, not just basketball, but sports knows that the two toughest places to play as far as media is Los Angeles and New York yep. because they demand winning. They demand the culture, the, the media, like it's just, it's, it's, it's nowhere close to a Milwaukee or a Detroit or yeah. even a Chicago, right? Uh, it's a whole new level. Yeah. And even then, like, you know, like with with L.A. at the end of the day, I mean, if you're not winning, it's going to be like, okay, but we're still L.A. We're still we're uh, we're still in California. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful city. You know, Um, no city looks uglier than New York when it's losing. You know what I mean? Like there is nothing pretty about it because that is a cold city with a media that is just going to tell you how it is. The fan base that is very unforgiving, no mercy, especially. I mean, and, and, you know, um, when Stefan Marbury was there. Not only were the Knicks bad, the Knicks were historically bad. Like they were, that was probably the worst that they've been in a long time, especially, you know, Isaiah Thomas was like, I mean, listen, loved him as a player, loved him as a player. Going to preface, going to preface that terrible GM, terrible GM. And Um, I believe the following year after uh, he became the coach of the Knicks after, after being. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it was just a situation that you look back on and go, well, this is uh, this is bizarre. Um, And so, you know, ultimately, um, you know, to your point, um, Stefan Marbury taking a situation of of going to play in China and um, the fact that he has a museum to his name and in his honor. um, Truly incredible, man. I I didn't know about the museum. I thought there was a statue. I, I remember seeing like um, salutes of Stefan Marbury and stuff. And I remember going, Oh, that's cool. But, um, to that extent, uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check out that Starbury documentary, man. That's pretty incredible. And I think, uh, yeah, it's on I, Netflix. Yeah. yeah I, I recommend most of my, my facts. I watched the documentary probably about four weeks ago, but most of, of my stats that, I, stats that I was spitting out was because of that documentary. So if you have not seen Starbury on Netflix, check it out. It is so much worth your, worth your time. Just about the, the career uh, the high school, the college, the NBA, and the Chinese career of Stefan Marbury. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Yeah, absolutely. And a guy that uh, ultimately, uh, you know, kind of, I think it's fair to say, didn't get his fair shake in the league, um, but Correct. still but still has, um, you know, um, an all-time great legacy in the game of basketball. So mm-hmm. um, not many guys have museums dedicated to them. Granted, China, we could go into a whole lot about that, but, you know, uh, (laughs) but hey, that's pretty awesome, man. Well, hey, Troy, thanks for that deep dive, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing what you have planned next week. And uh, absolutely. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it here from Half Court. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. You can follow Troy on Twitter at TroySergi44. You can follow me on Twitter at SeanHalfCourt. You can like, subscribe, share this YouTube channel with your friends. Leave us a positive rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your podcast services that you love out there. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time from Half Court.